Let's go to the first chapter of John this morning. To a little section that seems to be simply dropped in here in the middle of a description of who Jesus Christ is. Remember, we have dealt with his, uh, the eternal aspects of who he are, that, of who he is, that he has been here since before the beginning began. He is eternal in that aspect, that he is um, the light, that he is the life. And, and John, the author, has been working very hard to make sure that we understand why this is important as he sets the, the uh, tone and the foundation for the rest of his gospel. And then all of a sudden he changes gears for three verses and tells us about John the Baptist. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to see what it is that we need to understand here. That your spirit would open our eyes and our hearts, that we would comprehend, because of what is written here, what we are called to do as believers. That we would imitate John in in, in so many ways, and that we would be found faithful in the calling you placed upon us. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Verses 6, 7, and 8 of chapter 1 of the Gospel of John. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came for a witness that he might bear witness of the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came that he might bear witness of the light. And then you'll see next week he he transitions back to the light and, and Jesus Christ. Well, let's remember the purpose of this gospel as it is written in the end of the gospel in chapter 20 these things were written that you might believe that jesus is the christ the son of god and that believing you might have everlasting life that is the purpose of this gospel so why does john the apostle suddenly dump in right here in the middle of this explanation of this uh, eternality and and the importance of jesus christ these little three verses describing who john the baptist was Now, let's flip over to Matthew chapter 11, and we'll uh, find out a little bit more about John the Baptist. I'm going to be saying John and John. I'll try to define the difference between John the Gospel writer and John the Baptist as I refer to things. John the Gospel writer is dealing with Christ. Then he puts in things about John the Baptist all of a sudden, and then he goes back to Jesus the Christ, the light. Now, the importance of John the Baptist is seen here in Scripture. Now, uh, I I pull this every once in a while, and then some of you are wising up to it. Uh, Who is the last Old Testament prophet? John the Baptist, okay? He is the last one before Jesus the Christ, okay? Now, everybody, when I say that, they they think, okay, the last book of the the Old Testament is is what? Uh, No, it's John the Baptist is the last Old Testament prophet. Remember, he was born prior to the birth of Christ. Remember, Mary shows up at Elizabeth's house, and what does John the Baptist do in Elizabeth's womb? He actually leaps in the womb, okay? Now, never having been pregnant... Uh, never counting on being pregnant. I don't really know what that's like. 
Okay, I've had my hands on uh, one pregnant woman's stomach when that has happened, and you see that. Now, I don't know what it's like inside, but, uh, you know, it, it literally says he leapt within the womb when Jesus walked in, and that was the presence of the Holy Spirit in John the Baptist's life, even within the womb. And that's why we can see in John one, in uh, Psalm 139, we read earlier that he is shaping and molding us even within our mother's womb. So who is John the Baptist, and why is he so important? Matthew 11, verse 11. This is the words of Jesus. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Nobody born of women, that means everybody Prior, it doesn't count Jesus, it counts everybody else born up to that time. John the Baptist is the greatest man ever born. Now, understand the crowd that Matthew is, Jesus is addressing here. It's probably a Jewish crowd. And who are the great uh, uh, big hitters in the Jewish faith? Well, you've got Abraham and Moses and David and Elijah and Elisha and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and all these guys. And who rates above all of those? John the Baptist. And what was he known for in the early days? Crazy guy out in the desert, wearing skins, eating locusts, talking about the coming of the kingdom, and the kingdom is at hand, and I am not the one. And this is really what made John the Baptist so great. He says, I'm not the one. The one who's coming, I can't even, I'm not even worthy to tie the sandals that he wears. I must decrease, and he must increase. See, John the Baptist understood his position in life, and I think that's why the gospel writer John includes him right here in the midst of this description of Jesus so that we understand Jesus is the light, John the Baptist is not the light. John the Baptist is just here to do what? Point us to the light. No one is saved through John the Baptist. People are saved by the work of Christ. John the Baptist says, I'm not even worthy to tie his sandals. But he is the greatest man who's ever walked this earth. The greatest. Why? Because he said, I have to be the least. Ah, Jesus said something about that. If you want to be, what? The leader, you have to be the servant. Okay? And, and at the Last Supper, when he was there with his disciples, what did he do? He washed their feet. Who washed the feet of people in those days? The lowest slave in the house. Why? Because the feet were the nastiest thing. Dirt roads, sandals, but that's what they did. And here comes Jesus in his robe, and he leaves the front of the table and and takes it all off and has has a towel, and he washes the feet of his apostles. Now, why is John the Baptist listed here? In such this way. One, to remind us who John the Baptist is. But secondly, to remind us how the light is shown to men. How the light is shown to men. The Lord could have used any means he deemed appropriate to demonstrate the things of Christ. He could have had angels come and light up the sky and uh, some neon light or in cloud or sky writing and said, Jesus is Lord. I mean, wouldn't that have changed some hearts, huh? If the angels show up and, and above every nation, there is one angel who speaks with one voice and everybody in that nation hears it and he proclaims the things of Christ. 
Okay, how many? Seven continents. Uh, that's what we would need. We'd have seven angels, and the, and the work of the Lord would be done, right? Be nice and easy, lickety split. That's not the way that the Lord has chosen to do it. He has chosen to proclaim the message of the coming of salvation through men and women. Now, which of us is perfect? Hmm. John the Baptist was the greatest. Was he perfect? No. Uh, how about Randy? No, Randy's not perfect. Uh, none of us are perfect, but yet the Lord has chosen to use us to be the proclaimers of the light, pointing to the light. I'm not the light. I point to the one who is the light. I'm not the Savior. I point to the one who is the Savior. Now, you can imagine John the Baptist shows up here in a Jewish world, and he, the first prophet in 400 years. There has been no word from the Lord in 400 years, and he comes proclaiming the things of the kingdom. He's out in the desert, and the Jews are hungry to hear this word. They're hungry to hear the word of the Lord. So it says at different places, all of Jerusalem has gone out to hear him. Now, did all Jerusalem go out to hear him? I'd say most of Jerusalem. Remember, there's no TV in New Testament times. Nobody's sitting at home watching the game or anything. They hear this guy out in the desert. They want to go out and hear him. So they all go out to hear him, and he proclaims the coming of the kingdom. He proclaims the coming of the Messiah that all the Jews have been waiting for, and they don't see him yet. So what comes up around John the Baptist is a little John the Baptist cult. Okay, And that's why he, he, he has to say on, on more than one occasion, don't look at me. I'm just pointing to Christ. Okay, I'm not the Christ. I'm the one who points to him. But yet people came and followed him and sought after him. And in fact, all the way in Acts chapter 19, if you want to turn over there, uh, this is many years later. Uh, they are still dealing with this little, like I, for lack of a better term, uh, I call it the, the John the Baptist cult. Okay. Where all people know are John the Baptist. And in fact, Paul is up here in Ephesus, and he is planting a, a church and uh, dealing with the issues there. And in Acts chapter 19, verse 1, And it came about that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper country, came to Ephesus and found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, no, we, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now remember, there's, there's no communication. There's only people who come through and present the gospel. And here's what they said. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. They're talking about John the Baptist. That's all that they know. So they didn't know that the one John talked about had come. All that they had heard is that he is coming, and they were baptized, and they were waiting for the coming of Christ. Now, this is several years later, and Christ has come. He has given his life. He has risen. He has ascended into heaven, and Paul is out planting church in Ephesus. They don't know anything about Christ. They just know that we were told he's coming by John the Baptist, and that's what we've been baptized in. So Paul takes care of that. And as we see throughout the rest of uh, acts that the Holy Spirit goes into the Gentile churches and, and, and does a great work in those places. See, it's important to understand that the, pe- the, the people who understood John the Baptist hadn't yet heard of Jesus Christ. Other than... Well, never, never mind, we won't go there. The general principle is clear. John was sent to testify to the light. That's what he said. Jesus didn't need John the Baptist, but yet that was the way that God worked. The Lord doesn't need us. 
Okay? He is complete and total in and of himself. But yet he has chosen to use us to demonstrate the things of the light. Okay? So John came as a testimony or to bear witness to the light. So the second portion of this text is that God uses us to testify to the things of Christ. People will come to Christ when they hear your testimony. Now, do you have a testimony? Could you, this week, go into your little quiet place, maybe that's before your computer, or however you want to do it, and write a narrative of how you came to Christ? Some of your narratives might be like this. I was raised, at, and we'll put it here, at Central. Uh, I've always known the things of Christ. I've always believed in the things of Christ. Uh, I've always proclaimed him as my Lord and Savior. I've known no other thing. That might be your testimony. Your testimony might be that on such and such a day, uh, the Lord opened my eyes to my need for salvation, and I was forever changed. You might have a single day there. Boom. You might say... You know, uh, over the course of the period of time, over, uh, let's say, five or ten years, as I heard the witness of my spouse or of my parents or maybe of my children, the Lord simply opened my eyes on more and more and more to the point that I believed. Okay? You'll see that there's no homework in, in the notes. There's no notes. There's no homework. Your homework this week is to take 10 or 15 minutes and write out your testimony. If somebody came to you and said, You say Jesus Christ is important to you. How did you come to believe? What would you say? Oh, no. I don't know what I would say. Nobody's ever asked me that question. If you're a believer in Christ, it's your story. How did you come to Christ? This is the way that I came to Christ. Now, you might find that the Lord, as you sit and contemplate, the Lord used a lot of different people in your life to bring you to that point. Perhaps a lot of different circumstances came to bear in your life to bring you to the point where you received Christ as your Lord and Savior. It might be that one day you weren't even thinking about it, but yet you stumbled upon somebody, and in a conversation, they began to share with you their testimony, and you said, that is exactly what my life is like. And they turned to you and said, would you pray and believe today. And the Lord opened your eyes in that fashion. I don't know what your testimony is. It is your personal testimony. And the Lord sometimes uses that to lead others to Christ. Okay? To lead others to Christ. And that's what John is saying here. It's not me. It's him. I just tell you what he has done. Let me read a couple things that John said. John said that Christ is Lord. He identifies himself as a voice in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. He points to him. Jesus is so great, John is not worthy to tie the strap on his sandal. Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. John says, behold, there he is, the Lamb of God. Jesus is the one who's going to baptize people with the Holy Spirit. John says, he on whom you see the dove descend, that's the Holy Spirit. He is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. John testifies, I have seen and bore witness that this is the Son of God. John says, it's not me, it's him. Okay? In your testimony, it's not what you did. It's not what you did to come to the Lord, how you were so smart and so clever and came to this conclusion. It's what the Lord did in your life. This is how he led you along. This is how he revealed himself to you. This is the time that he worked his grace in your life. 
Now, John the Baptist, this we'll see in other places in, in, as we go through the Gospel of John, this was a tragic role, okay? He's out in the desert, and he's proclaiming the things of Christ, and Christ comes along, and he sees him, and he says, there, there's the one. But John goes about continuing to talk about holiness and about righteousness and, and holy living. And in fact, he gets in Herod's face and loses his head because he pointed out Herod's sin that Herod was in an inappropriate relationship with his brother's wife. Okay, But he said, you know what? This is the work that I am called to. This is the faithfulness that I am called to. It doesn't matter what I must give up because I must decrease and he must increase. This is a problem for almost every Christian to come to grips with. I've been uh, the moderator of the, of the New Wineskins Presbytery, the EPC, for for longer than I want it to be, um, but it's coming to an end. And and but one of the benefits of that is I get to preach at Presbytery. Now, it, when I first became a, a, a pastor, I said, "Well, who wants to get up in front of a bunch of other ministers and and tell them what the Scripture says?" Well, I never wanted to do that. Well, now I do. Okay. <laughs> now, see, that's my problem. I got a problem right there. Well. The last time I was able to, to present the word to them, I preached on that little passage in John. He must increase, I must decrease. And the issue that we have as believers, specifically as pastors, of ego. And how that's got to be beat out of us sometimes. Okay? Lest we think too much of ourselves. Lest we lose our eyes and our focus on the type of ministry that John the Baptist has. Okay? Who, who cares if my name is ever written anywhere? Okay, that is not important to me. What is important? The name of Christ, that he is written somewhere. Okay, and that's, that's me. As, as each individual believers, we have to deal with that. We have to say, okay, the Lord has gifted me in this fashion. How do I use those for his glory without making it all about me? Because it has to be about him. And that's what John the Baptist was very good at. It's not about me. It's about him. Okay, so what does this mean? What does this mean for us in, in our daily lives? One is that we should be alert to the call of the Lord in our lives. To the call of the Lord in our lives. Every believer is called to be light. Every believer is called to point to the one who is greater than we are to Christ. We are all called to witness to the light, but God calls some of us in a special way. And to use our gifts in a particular fashion. It might be that you are uh, a a teacher and you have an audience there in which to demonstrate the things of Christ. Not that you get up in front of your math class every day and preach the gospel. That's not the way the Lord calls you to do those things. But you have an impact on many, many lives. Perhaps in your professional life, in other places, you come in contact with a lot of different people. When you walk away from those encounters, what do they think of you? Do they think, man, that's a nasty person? Or do they think that that person is, there's something different about them? They were gentle and compassionate. And and did you see how they dealt with adversity? Did you see how how kind they were? Okay? How do you, when you walk away, what impression do you leave? See, we have the opportunity to influence people for Christ, no matter what our vocation. Now, there are certain times where we have uh, special opportunities, like the group that goes to the Dominican Republic. 
Pastor Pedro was here this week, and he talked about the ministry there. Uh, I think there are over 20 people who are on the schedule to go to the Dominican this year, both in, in, in medical and construction. Now, that is an opportunity to testify to the things of Christ, okay? to use special gifts that the Lord has given you, perhaps in a short-term fashion. The second implication is that we need to be ready to hear the testimony of others and be ready to hear from our faithful friends. Okay. So often we think, well, I was, I was studying the word and that's where the Lord is going to talk to me and that's where he's going to reveal himself to me. But yet we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. We are surrounded by faithful friends, those who, uh, whose knowledge of the word may be far greater than us. And we need to be ready to hear from them because the Lord uses other people to convey his will to us. Okay. Now, John said the kingdom is coming. He just didn't simply point to Christ. He did that, but he also said the kingdom is at hand. Get your life right because the kingdom is at hand. Nobody was saved by John the Baptist. People were saved by Christ. John said, I don't save anybody. I just point you to the one who does the saving. A very simple application is that don't don't have faith in Central Presbyterian Church. Don't have faith in Randy. Don't have faith in your parents. Don't have faith in your spouse as if that will ever save you. Nobody gets to heaven holding somebody else's hand and being dragged in. It comes down to having faith in Christ. And that is an individual thing. No coattails are being ridden on on the way into heaven. John says you must believe. Jesus Christ says today is the day of salvation. It's not later. It's not, don't go and think about it. He commands us again and again to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what gets us there. And the Lord uses us to demonstrate that and to proclaim that message. John had such a zeal for the things of Christ that he was willing to give his life. Now, I don't know. Maybe someday some of us will have to give our life for Christ. We don't know that. But yet, if that is what the Lord calls us to do, he will prepare us. Now, it may be simply that he has called you to live out the things of Christ, and he has prepared you, and you wrestle with that and say, Oh, man, do I want to be faithful, or do I want to do what I want to do? We have to be faithful. Okay, We have to be faithful to the things of Christ. Believe upon him. And you will be saved. John says, don't believe in me. Believe in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is, uh, the words are, are simple. John the Baptist is not the light. He's the one that points to it. We are not the light, although you say we are the light of Christ in this world, but we are not Christ. He lives within us. We are the ones who point to him. We give an imperfect picture of the things of Christ. Some days we are angry. Some days we are weak. Some days we are selfish. Some days we are outright hostile. But yet, Lord, in the midst of those things, you still use us. For there are days when we are gracious beyond what we can 
do ourselves. There are days when you work in us in such a fantastic way that words of compassion and mercy flow from our mouths, that actions flow from our hands that are that are demonstrators of the things of Christ. And you use us whether it's a good day for us or a bad day. Your spirit can still use us. Lord, come upon us that we might see where it is you're calling us to proclaim the things of Christ. Perhaps today, Lord, there are those who have heard that maybe for the first time. They thought they were safe because of their family. They thought they were safe because of their spouse. And they really didn't have to come to grips with who Jesus is. But today you have pointed them to the light of Jesus Christ. That salvation rests only in him. That today is the day of their salvation. Lord, if that's what you're doing, then open their eyes that there would be no doubt. Move in their heart that they would seek Christ as their Savior. That they would ask for forgiveness of sin that they would receive him, and that their lives would be forever changed by his grace. All of these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Our hymn is 664, So Send I You. Let's stand.